Welcome to the Next Level Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hitchcock. The Next Level Leadership Podcast exists with you in mind. It exists to raise you to your next level of leadership. We've got a great show in store for you today. We're going to be continuing our series and talking about character and the life of a leader. As we continue our series on character today, we're going to be focusing on the idea of self-control. In other words, discipline. Self-control is paramount to sustaining a leader's character. Without self-control or discipline, you will not be able to sustain any of the other concepts that we've talked about. So stay tuned for this exciting episode. This is something you do not want to miss. Well, it is great to be with you once again this week, Josh. As always, glad to be joined by you and the perspective that you're bringing with you. Josh, I am so excited. I can hardly contain myself. The excitement that I have held up, pent up within me is just so uncontrollable. I just really cannot control my excitement. What are we talking about today, Josh? Well, we're going to be talking about self-control in the life of a leader. And I can tell that you've had your cup of coffee today. I can tell that. You are wound up and ready to go. You know, self-control is such an important topic in the life and the character of a leader because I believe it's through self-control or discipline that you're able to sustain the other principles that you're trying to live out. I feel like this is such an important and key topic because your ability to exercise self-control goes hand-in-hand with discipline. Oftentimes, in my opinion, this is looked at as optional, but really... It's essential. We have to, in order to be an effective leader, in order to be a leader that has high level of moral character and integrity and so forth, we have to have self-control. We have to be disciplined because if not, we'll never be able to apply the things that we've learned. Josh, what do you think about self-control and the role that it plays in the life of a leader? Yeah, Josh, I think this is critical. You know, I heard recently a question came up and, and it was, what's the best piece of advice or the one piece of advice that you could give to a person who is stepping into a formal role of leadership. And, and the answer that, uh, that a friend of mine uh, named JR gave was be sure to process what decision you need to make. The moment that you lose self-control and start having reactions, especially negative ones, around your team, that's a quick way to lose somebody. It's a quick way to lose respect. It's a quick way to lose your position of influence. It is so easy, especially if you're a high-strung person, especially if you're an emotional person, which we all have emotions, right? Each and every one of us have emotions, but some of us are a little more high-strung and high-energy than others, and it's really easy that you can be reactive instead of proactive, right? And it's in the middle of being reactive that you make stupid decisions at times, right? That you do stupid things, that you say things that you regret immediately after. And I know this is something that I've dealt with and, and do deal with, right? So right now I'm talking to all of you emotionally. I'm talking to those of you that you wake up every day with fire under your belly. You're, you're ready to take your cupcake and then some, right? I mean, you're just ready and you wake up every day just charged, right? You know, I know for me that it's easy for me to be reactionary. If somebody says something I don't like, it's easy for me to automatically want to verbally process and react to that. If somebody does something I don't agree with, it's easy for me to react to that and say, oh, okay, you did this. Well, here's how I'm going to respond, right? It's very easy, but I've learned that if you can restrain that a bit and be less reactionary and more proactive, then that's where self-control comes in. That's when you can make effective decisions. That's where you can respond in certain ways. Because I like what you said, that when you are reactionary, in nature, you know, you lose credibility of those around you. You, sure. you really do. I mean, there's certain 
you know, reactionary can be positive or negative. You know, if somebody was to tell you, I love you, and you react to that. Oh, I love you too. That's an example of positive where, where you were reactionary in a situation and you responded accordingly. And, and hey, that's a great thing. But what about the negative stuff? What about when somebody tells you something that you don't want to hear? They tell you something off the cuff. They tell you something that they regret saying. Do you respond in turn or do you use self-control and say, nope, not going to be reactionary, going to be proactive? Josh, you know, we've talked before about the seven habits of highly effective people. And one of the seven habits that Stephen Covey mentions in his book is seek first to understand, then to be understood. I think if we can exercise this principle as often as possible, it's easier to process information that we're receiving, not only hearing it, but listening to it, and then acting accordingly as opposed to reacting without giving it some thought. I know for me growing up is still today, I can be a highly emotional individual. So there have been many times where mistakes were made because I refused to exercise self-control. You know, there was a time when I was driving one day and I was heading somewhere. It was on a Sunday morning. I was heading actually to church on a Sunday morning. This was a few years ago. And I am ashamed to say I was running late. So like every good red-blooded American, what did I do? I didn't obey the speed limit. I didn't have self-control. So all of a sudden, I had a 2003 GMC Sierra 1500, and I was speeding down the interstate at 93 miles an hour. Well, I'm sorry, how fast were you going, 90, Josh? 93 miles an hour. Holy so sweet sassy molassy, unbelievable. Right. It, it was, I can't believe that little truck held up, but it did. It was a little truck that could. I was going down at that speed, didn't even realize that. And then all of a sudden, wouldn't you know, a state trooper was on duty that day on the interstate. Of course he was. And of course, what happened next, I was pulled over. So of course he comes up to the window and thank God, all I got was a speeding ticket, not a reckless driving ticket. It's only because you're going to church, probably. Maybe so. I, maybe that was the reason. But he was not a happy camper at all, of course, when he came up to me and, and informed me of my speed, to which I was blissfully ignorant. I didn't know I was going that fast. And in reality, I didn't. I didn't realize I was going that fast, but I was. I look back at that as a moment of lack of self-control that had consequences behind it because then all of a sudden I had to go to court and I had to look at the ticket and then I had to take a defensive driving class and it resulted in so many things and it was like man all because I didn't exercise self-control even in a silly example like that I mean it's silly but it, I mean it's real and it's serious on one hand but silly and you can laugh at it on the other but how much more situations we deal with in a day-to-day life that are even more serious that hey, you know what, if I respond to this person that way, if I say this, if I do this, if I act like this, then all of a sudden I'm putting a relationship that took 10 years to build in jeopardy off of one action because I didn't like what was said, I didn't like what was done. So all of a sudden I'm responding accordingly. So it is so essential if we're going to be effective leaders that we exercise self-control. So on that note, Josh, what are some stories, you know, similar to mine, you know, I was speeding. Do you have any stories where there was a lack of self-control that you can look back at and say, oh my gosh, I'm glad I made it out of that one. Uh, Remind me how fast you're going, Josh? 93. Okay. So I have a story one time about how I was going 94 miles per hour. Oh, I got you. I got you. No, I actually do have a funny story. Hashtag one up. There you go. One up. (laughs) I do have a funny story to tell. This happened about 15 years ago or so, I was a much younger, not quite wiser Josh Parnell. 
So I walked into the mall and there was two individuals who were standing next to one of those uh, spin the wheel type of games and they caught me. I made eye contact with them. That was the first mistake I made. We made eye contact. They reeled me in. I started walking over to them and they said, hey, do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? And it was some kind of vacation timeshare type of package. Right. Didn't really know what exactly I was doing, but I, I spun the wheel and basically I didn't, I still to this day don't really know what I won, but I definitely won a bunch of phone calls because after this happened, I was getting phone calls almost daily from this company asking me to spend a little bit of money so I can go to a lot of places. And so uh, and you didn't get to go to one. Well, I, I didn't I honestly didn't even give myself the opportunity because to me, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to be spending money to go here. I'm not really interested. I have other things going on in my life. And so so, so go figure. You have to spend money to go on vacation. Exactly. I mean, wow. and at, this point, at this point, I'm thinking, hey, can I just get anything free? Right. Right. OK. Kidding. If it's free, it's me. There you go. OK. But what happened, though, was I asked politely the first few times, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize exactly what I, was, what I was spinning when I saw this game. Can you go ahead and take me off of your call list, please? You know, and so then I got some more phone calls, and, and I kept politely requesting, can you take me off of the call list? And it got to a point where about the 20th phone call, you know, again, I'm a much younger, much less wiser, Josh. At this point, I raised my voice a little bit. You know, I feel like I said some, some words that were appropriate, but a little bit louder than I did the first few times. I said it in a way that prompted the caller on the other end of the line. At this point, I had already lost some self-control because I'm raising my voice, right? I recognize that. Right. But the caller on the other end of the line then came back with perhaps the best comeback he could have given me at the time, which did not make me excited. But he said, uh, sir, is there an adult in the house that I can speak with? And at that point, he I really said lost that. It. He really said it. At that point, I pretty much lost it. But I, I will tell you, it's a funny story because he knew exactly what button to push. At that time, I certainly lost some self-control. I think I hung up on him. I don't know exactly what happened, but funny story to tell in, in hindsight. Interesting. So lesson learned, don't give your phone number out to random people. There's a reason that people talk about, you know, when, when someone describes someone as wise, do we envision that person to be young or old? I don't think it's either or, actually. If you want my opinion, I don't, I don't think it's either or. I think wisdom is What if I didn't knowledge. want your opinion, Josh? What if I didn't want your opinion and I wanted you to just play along because the correct answer we all know is old. I mean, we, we've heard it before, Josh, the wise old owl. How many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop? Let's find out. Cameron? Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out. One, two, three, three. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. See, we all know it's because the owl, he's older, therefore wiser. He's learned along the way. He's exercised self-control because he's grown through some things, because he's gone through some things. That's a good point. I mean, wisdom often is equated to experience over time. And, and sometimes, even in our journey on self-control, there's an experience factor that has to happen that, hey, don't touch the stove. It's hot, right? But how do we find out that it's hot? By touching it. 99% of us didn't believe our parents when they said that. 99% of us had to still experience it before we realized, oh no, I better not touch the stove again like that because it's hot. You know, similarly, and I use the example of driving, same thing with driving. How many of us had parents that told us the dangers of driving and how dangerous it was and how careful we had to be? And, you know, it's teenagers that went in one ear and right out the other, right? Because we just wanted to drive. That's all we were concerned about. We were ready to drive. Now, after our first wreck, after our first ticket, 
I think we all have collectively different opinions, right? Because then it was kind of like a reality shock of, okay, this is serious. You know, I know someone right now who's 16 years old and she just got her license. She's family and she's doing really well and she got her car and she recently, she's been driving for about three weeks and she just had a wreck. Now her mother had gone over with her multiple times about the dangers of driving and why she should be a cautious driver. But again, like I just described in one ear and out the other. Well, after she got into this wreck and thank God it wasn't anything serious. Well, now there's a renewed seriousness on her part and a, and a renewed legitimacy when she gets behind the wheel because she realized very quickly, okay, I, I need to be careful. This is serious. So yes, wisdom can be accumulated over time through experiences. You know, I think it's interesting how closely tied self-control is to discipline. Self-control or self-regulation, as a friend of mine refers to it as, is simply our ability to say no to a non-productive impulse in every area of our life. I'm going to say that again. Self-control or self-regulation is simply our ability to say no to a non-productive impulse in any area of our life. This is what preserves us as leaders. Our ability to exercise self-control is the difference between success and failure. Think about it. The principle of one, right? You've all heard that. The principle of one, one decision away. You're one decision away from success. You're one decision away from failure. You're one decision away from the best decision of your life. You're one decision away from a host of options, but it's up to you to make that decision. You think about it. For you married folks out there, you were one decision away before you got married, right? You made the one decision to say yes, right? Maybe as you guys are working at your respective jobs, you made the one decision to say yes when you were given a job offer, right? One decision changed everything. And, and if we don't exercise or operate in self-control, it's often through one decision that results in situations that we don't desire to be in and repercussions that we're having to recover from. So on that note today, I want to talk about three ways we can exercise self-control in our day-to-day life. Three ways we can exercise self-control in our day-to-day life. Number one, refuse to place ourselves in vulnerable positions. The first key to leading from a posture of self-control is refusing to place yourself in a vulnerable position. If I have a goal of losing weight, which I share because I personally do, if I have a goal of losing weight, the last thing I need to do on a Saturday afternoon at 1230 when I'm hungry is to drive by a Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. I've mentioned that before. I think maybe they should even hire me as a sponsor or something because I I really believe in them. Chick-fil-A, if you're listening, no, I'm I'm just joking. But yes, I believe in Chick-fil-A. So the last thing I need to do is place myself in that vulnerable position that's going to cause me to compromise what I'm trying to do, right? It's going to cause me, at the very least, be put at risk of compromising. It doesn't cause me to compromise, but it places me at risk of compromising. So as leaders, we want to avoid vulnerable situations. If we know that a certain thing tempts us, if we know that a certain environment's not healthy, if we know that a certain individual does not add value to our emotional, mental, or relational health, then we need to remove ourselves from that situation because we're opening the door for us to be vulnerable. We're, we're opening the door for us to allow things that, that come in our lives that won't allow us to operate in self-control. So point number one is refuse to place ourselves in vulnerable situations. Point number two, we've got to check our emotions at the door before making any decision. Check our emotions at the door 
before making any decision. In other words, take a few minutes to think before a decision is made. Before you make any decision, make sure that you've checked your emotions, that you're not making decision based off emotions, that you're not being reactionary, rather you're being proactive. And then on the flip side, make sure that you're calm and that the decision you're getting ready to make doesn't compromise any of your values. You know, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a neuroscientist who wrote a phenomenal book called Switch on Your Brain, but since then she's written other books. I highly recommend you read her work. But one of the things she talks about is that when making a decision, if we will step back from a tenacious decision, especially when our emotions are high, right? Especially when we're angry about something, especially when the temptation is there to be reactionary. She makes a statement that I think it's the seven breaths principle and maybe eight breaths, but I think it's seven that she says, step back and just internally count to seven and think about it. Think about the decision you're getting ready to make. When you do that, something goes off neurochemically in your brain that allows you to think clearly and say, hey, is the decision that I'm getting ready to make, is it productive? Is it something that is taking me to where I want to go or is it pulling me away from where I want to go? Yeah. And Josh, you know, we know that when emotions are high, IQ is low and being able to exercise self-control requires a lot of IQ and even EQ. That's emotional intelligence. There's something I heard my pastor talk about a few weeks ago, which was profound. And that is we do have power over our thoughts. And one way that we can exercise self-control and the emotions that come along with it is to begin with our thoughts and altering our thoughts. The National Science Foundation recently did a study that said that 80% of people's thoughts are negative thoughts, and 95% of those thoughts are recurring. And therefore, we want to make sure that we are able to have power and have control over our thoughts because our thoughts ultimately can dictate and drive those feelings and those emotions that you've talked about. Those feelings can ultimately dictate and drive actions and decisions, and actions and decisions will ultimately dictate your destiny. So if we want to change our destiny, we have to begin with our thoughts, but we have to recognize that we do have the power to change our thoughts, and exercising self-control can play along with that. I think what you just said is a profound statement. I think it's so profound. I'm about ready to say, Josh, you want to take an offering? I mean, that, that was pretty good. You re- No, this was free of charge, Josh. Okay. This was free of charge. What, the, next, the next episode, what we might charge, but this one was free of charge. Yeah, that was phenomenal. I think it was just fantastic in what you just shared because it is so true. As emotions go up, intelligence goes down, right? I think that is so true and powerful. So we want to make sure as leaders, we're checking our emotions at the door before we make any decision. And then here's the third key, the way you and I can operate in self-control in our day-to-day life is this, frame each decision within the boundaries of legacy and purpose. One way we can ensure that we will operate in self-control is by framing each decision as to whether or not it fits in our character, our purpose, and our calling. Each and every decision that we make, does it fit into our character, our purpose, and our calling? So we all have dreams that we're pursuing. We all have things in life that we're trying to achieve as leaders. We all have goals that we want to achieve in order to change the world around us. But we can only do that if the decisions that we make are made within the boundaries of legacy and purpose. Is the decision I'm getting ready to make, does it fit in the legacy that I want to leave? Does it fit in the purpose that drives me? If the answer is no, then it's a decision that I don't want to make. If the answer is yes, then it's a decision I definitely want to make. So on that note, remember, frame each decision within the boundaries of legacy and purpose. So in review, three keys to operating in self-control in your everyday life is this. Number one, 
refuse to place ourselves in a vulnerable position. We've got to come together as leaders and say, hey, I'm not placing myself in a situation that's going to open the door for me to possibly not exercise self-control. Number two, we want to make sure we check our emotions at the door before making any decision. Make sure we're checking our emotions at the door before we make any key decisions. And then number three, frame each decision within the boundaries of legacy and purpose. And I believe if you do this, if you apply these keys to your life, I believe you'll not only exercise self-control, I believe your leadership ability will increase, and I believe your relationship depths that you experience will even grow from it. So on that note, I want to leave you with these encouraging words from Psalms chapter 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. May we all remember that in every day to remember who's in charge and who we can give praise to as we make it through each and every day. So until next time, I'm Josh Hitchcock reminding you to keep leading well.